Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode five of Beyond the Veil. Beyond the Veil is a podcast all about Harry Potter and mental health, dedicated to telling the stories of Potter fans from around the world. I want to thank all of you for listening. Over this past week, we hit our first 1,000 downloads. It means so much to me and the rest of the team that y'all are listening and that you're here on this journey with us. So thank you so, so much. If Harry has helped you with your mental health, get through a difficult time, or helped you overcome an obstacle, I would love to talk to you as a guest on the podcast. You can visit our website linked below to find out how to submit your story. I want to give a trigger warning for this week's whisper segment. It deals with emotional and verbal abuse, so feel free to skip over that later if you'd like. But this week, I am very excited to share my interview with Sasha. Sasha is a Quidditch player, a drum player, and a huge Harry Potter fan like the rest of us. I learned a lot from our conversation, and I hope you will too. Everybody and welcome to Beyond the Veil. Today we are speaking with Sasha Heinen. Sasha, thank you so much for joining us. Um, so let's get started um, just by telling everybody a little bit about yourself, who you are, where you're from, anything you'd like to share. Okay, so I'm Sasha. I'm 27 for now because my birthday is next week. Uh, I live in Belgium. Um, I love to read. I like to write stories myself as well. Love music. I play the drums. Um, I play in an orchestra, which is really cool. Um, I like to travel a lot. It's uh, one of my main things that I love to do, as well as photography. I like to combine both of them. Um, I graduated as a photographer last year, so that's really one of the big things in my life now. Wow, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. That's wonderful. Uh, what's playing in an orchestra like? That sounds fantastic. Yeah, we just play all kinds of music and I get to do a lot of different, you know, I play the drums, but I also do other kinds of percussions. So like, uh, you know, just from tambourine and triangle to actually playing the drums and stuff. So it's really varied and I, I really like it. Awesome. And it goes from like classical music to, to you know, the greatest hits of today. So. <laughs> the whole the whole scale. The of... whole bunch. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's everything. Um, so let's dive into a little bit of Potter information. So your house, your Patronus, anything Potter related you want to share with us? Okay, so I am a Gryffindor, very much so. My mm -hmm. friends always tell me, like, oh, there she goes again. That's so Gryffindor of you. <laughs> And I say it myself as well. Um, my Patronus, my Patronus on Pottermore is different than my actual Patronus, so I go by my actual one, which is a wolf. I've always had a thing for these animals, and yeah, I just know that would be my Patronus if I could actually cast one. Um, my favorite Harry Potter book is The Deathly Hallows, um, mm. just because it speaks to me a lot on an emotional level. Yeah. Um, yeah, and Harry Potter is just really important to me in everything I do. Wonderful. Well, uh, how did your Potter journey start? Was it about eight years old, you said? Yeah, I was about eight. I can't really remember exactly how old I was because it was. I just remember it as, as some day, like the first book was lying around in the house and I picked it up and I was immediately sold. 
I just started reading it and yeah, I, I immediately fell in love with, with the world of Harry Potter and everything in it and that just kept on growing throughout my teenage years and even now it's just it's it's getting bigger and bigger and, and playing a more important role in my life every single day so yeah it, it's been with me forever and it's yeah you say, it's always been there yeah say it's just been a part of your life basically yeah literally so yeah i understand that completely <laughs> um so today we're going to talk about how harry potter helped you with some of the struggles you've gone mm -hmm. through in your life and you deal with something called high sensitivity. So can you talk to us about your experience with that and your journey with that? Okay, so first of all, high sensitivity is like, it means that stimuli from outside uh, have a deeper impact on me. So it takes me longer to process them, but I also process them on a deeper level. So yeah, they literally have more impact on me. Um, I like to call it as having no filter, like non-high sensitivity, sensitivity people do have a filter that, you know, filters everything before they can process it and that filter is lacking for me or it's just not working as well. Mm -hmm. um, and that works basically on everything, so light, s smells, tastes, but also like emotions and you know, just life in general. So there's nothing in my life that's not impacted by it and that can be a lot to process sometimes um, so also it, what's difficult is every high sensitivity person experiences it in a different way it's like more of a whole spectrum mm -hmm. uh, rather than just one thing and it's that and that's it um, so my high sensitivity is different than someone else's and that makes it difficult because I, I just happen to be on the very extreme end of the spectrum mm -hmm. um, and that's sometimes difficult for people to understand even if they have high sensitivity themselves they still don't understand always how it can impact me so much. Can you give an example of an experience that would be you know it, it would be more difficult for you to process like seeing a certain kind of movie going into a mall is there something that might be easy for someone who did not have high sensitivity that would be particularly difficult for you. Yeah, for example, like you say, going into a mall or just sitting at, in a pub is really difficult because there's all these noises on the background mm -hmm. and they can really buzz in my head like they are really loud to me. And if I'm trying to have a conversation myself as well, they are very distracting and it just it's like constantly you know boxing into you and yeah. for example watching movies as well um, I literally cannot watch a movie and not cry at the end whatever happens at the end if it's a happy thing if it's sad I just cry it's what I do it can be a, a video of like two bunnies cuddling and I'll think it's so cute that it makes me want to cry like I cry all the time Mm -hmm. stuff like that and and you know people just sometimes look at you when you cry at a video of two cuddly bunnies like what are you doing but you know it's just what I feel at that moment and and that's sometimes difficult like I feel I have to explain myself for that well you know I shouldn't have to do that yeah you can feel however you need to feel exactly um, yeah so with people 
not understanding and kind of living in an environment and a world that's not uh, particularly sensitive to the needs of someone with high sensitivity. Absolutely not. um, What sort of changes have you had to make in your life to adapt? Well, first of all, I just had to make sure that I have a place that I can go to when everything gets too much. Like, it's just, we have this attic that is also, like, where my desk is, where I work and stuff. So I often go there when things are too much or I go into nature for a hike or so to really get out of of the way of all those stimuli. But it's also just, you know, telling people how I feel and what's going on with me so that they hopefully can learn to understand why something, you know, why, why I can't talk to them at a certain time or why I need to be alone at a certain time and just, you know, actually expressing it. Like, today I'm not feeling good, so just leave me alone and I'll be better tomorrow, things like that. Um, but, you know, it's also, if if on a weekend, if I have have an event to go to on a Saturday and there's a birthday party on a Sunday, I can't go to the birthday party because I'll still be, you know, working through everything I've been through on the Saturday event. Yeah. And so it's telling people like, okay, I care about you very much, but I can't do your birthday today. And that's sometimes difficult for them, but for me as well. Um, so it's really just voicing that and, and, and explaining to them why I can't do something at a certain time in hopes that, you know, they, they can learn to understand it and learn to recognize it as well. The main thing is really just making people understand what's going on. Uh, that's been difficult. Yeah, it's it sounds like a lot of the... Um, maybe some of the issues could be resolved if, as long, like you're saying, as long as people understand what you're going through and they're willing to be accepting and, you know, like... Hey, I know you're going through a hard time mm-hmm. with this right now. It's totally okay. If there's just a an increased awareness and a communication about what's happening, then that's yeah, exactly to... awesome. Exactly, yeah. Um, so I know you said for a while in your life there was a long time before you were diagnosed with high sensitivity. Um, and what was life like before that diagnosis? Well, I just felt like a weirdo because I was crying about ridiculous things. I was needing to recover from just going out for one evening, things like that. Um, things upset me very easily, and it just felt like I was a sh- like I was a weirdo because others didn't seem to go through that. So I just felt like there was something wrong with me, and and that was difficult to process because like. I, I couldn't put my finger exactly on what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I didn't know what was happening to me. And it's, yeah, like I said, I just felt like a weirdo, like something was wrong with me. That's rough. That's a... That's, that's a... rough. Yeah, yeah. Especially since I was like, it was maybe three years ago that I discovered that I was high sensitive. So... It's like 23 years out of my life, I felt like I was a weirdo. Mm -hmm. So that's a long time. Yeah, that is a long time. And uh, I can see how uh, spoken with a lot of people about their experiences of feeling isolated. And it seems like Harry Potter is such a common thread for people 
in helping with that feeling of you feel weird, you feel out of place, and mm-hmm. we all seem to be able to find Harry Potter. So yeah, yeah, it's wonderful. Um, can you share a little bit about how um, Harry Potter, when it first came into your life, because even though you were only recently diagnosed, you know, mm-hmm. you've been dealing with this for a long time. So yeah, how did Harry Potter start out? Um, how did Harry Potter come into that part of your life and help you? Well, I think it's just because, as I said, I started reading the books when I was eight. Um, I think my current longest friend in real life, I got to know when I was 12. So Harry Potter is literally my longest friend. It's the thing in my life that's been there the longest, apart from my parents and my sister. So it's literally my longest friend and it's always been there. So it's become something that's very familiar to me. And familiar things are always easier to deal with because they don't surprise you. You know exactly what to expect. You know, you know I, I know the world of Harry Potter. I know if I read the books, what's going to happen. So it's become something that's very familiar and that makes it a really safe place for me to be. And I think that's that's why it it's it's meant so much to me it's it's a safe haven that i can go to when reality is too much for me for example when i went to see a therapist about this she asked me to visualize like a place where i could feel at ease where i could um you, you know where i could be at rest where i didn't have to worry about anything and a lot of people then visualized their bedroom or whatever. And for me, it was just, it was the Gryffindor common room. Oh. <laughs> that's, that's where I go in my head when I need a place, you know, to, to, to get back into the peace of, and quiet that I need. That's where I go to. It's, it's the world of Harry Potter. It's the Gryffindor common room. That's wonderful. So you have that place, you know, the, the Potter books and the Gryffindor common room. Um, is there anywhere else that you... Um, not necessarily use as a tool that same way, but is there anywhere else you find yourself when you're thinking about Harry Potter in your head? Like mm-hmm. sometimes I'll think about like walking through the Forbidden Forest or something like that. Is there anywhere else yeah. that feels homey? Yeah, the Quidditch pitch. Oh, because I play Muggle Quidditch. Oh, that's <laughs> so wonderful. The Quidditch, the Quidditch pitch is like a yeah, my second home, or or how do I have to call it? Because it it actually relates to my real life. What uh, position do you play? I'm a chaser. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. The Quidditch game, I have only recently saw my first game earlier this year, uh-huh. but it's such a tangible, um, physical, in- totally enveloping experience. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And rough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, uh, that's a difficult game to play. That's a... Yeah, I, I haven't managed to finish a tournament yet without having to stop playing because I got injured. So it's a rough game, but I still love it. So physically immersing yourself in the world with that, that's wonderful. Um, yeah, that's one of the greatest helps as well. Just finding those those parts of the of this of the world of Harry Potter in real life. Yeah, just, you know doesn't have to always be big like I've been to the studio tour a couple of times and that's amazing I was in 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 USJ on Halloween so that was that was even more brilliant um 
but it's also just finding these smaller parts in real life that really make it tangible and that can be a massive help. Yeah. For uh, Have you made any Harry Potter friends in Quidditch or just people? Oh yeah, plenty, mm -hmm. plenty. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. It's, it's like, you know, I, I, during high school and stuff, I never had many friends, but like playing Muggle Quidditch, it's this big community of people who are very open about the things that trouble them. Like, it's a very open community and everybody just talks about what's bothering them and what they're going through. And it seems like everybody has their own issues and everybody is just so supportive and that's really helped, like, you know, make things easier for me as well. Mm -hmm. Why do you think that is with the Quidditch community that they're so open like that? I don't know. I think because it started from Harry Potter and Harry, I don't, I don't know. I just always have this sense that people who grew up with Harry Potter or who are huge fans of it, they seem to be more open towards these kinds of things. Like it starts with the fact that, um, Muggle Quidditch is the only sports in the world that actually takes people into account who don't um, um, think of themselves as male or female. Mm -hmm. that's so true. that's that's where it starts. Like if you can make that a part of your sports and just allow people to not having to fit in in either of those two and just be able to play as well, um, that's massively important. And that's where it all starts, I think. Um, just because it draws these people in because they feel like they can be who they are in Muggle Quidditch. And these people know what it's like to to suffer through something, to to suffer with yourself, to, to you know, things like that. So they know and and that's where it all comes from, I think. Just they understand and they that's how they manage to draw in other people who are struggling and 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 manage to make them talk about it and it's it's just like a you know it's just like a wave that starts and it 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 only grows bigger and it never stops so that's amazing so a lot of people like you said with high sensitivity um you didn't know before you were diagnosed what you were going through um and it's important to bring it on the radar and I'm wondering how Harry Potter has affected your desire to spread awareness and why you think, um, I think it might be obvious why it's important to bring it on the mm -hmm. radar, but I want to know your thoughts. Mm -hmm. So, you know, first of all, playing Muggle Quidditch, as I said, that's the community is very open about things. And I've seen there how much it can help if people just talk about what's bothering them and can, you know, have, have somebody who listens to it and tries to understand it. So so that's been a big part in me wanting to, to spread awareness about it. And also just maybe not the Harry Potter world in itself, but the people behind it. I mean, a lot of people that... that have in some way been a part of the Harry Potter world are have become activists for something themselves. I mean, you know, Rowling herself, of course, with, with Lumos, but also Emma Watson, you know, they're, they're fighting for what they think is important and just seeing them do it mm -hmm. makes me feel like I can make a difference too. 
It's really important. Um, and I wonder what advice you might have for anybody who maybe they feel like maybe they're high sensitive or they're not really sure. What would you say to those people? Just first of all, um, the internet has a lot of good sources about high sensitivity. There's this, it's a basic yes, no questionnaire with like 24 questions, but if just just take it and and see what comes out of it like i i scored a 23 out of 24 on that one so that was a that was what caused me to seek out more information about it and what made me realize that okay yeah this is me um so just look look it up and see if you can 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 identify yourself with that and if you do don't be afraid to talk about it. Just seek out the help you need because there's no shame in seeking help. Um, it's very important that you don't have to do this alone. Um, I, I I had my therapist for it. I make it a point to just say it out loud. Yes, I needed a therapist to deal with this. I'm not ashamed about that. I'm actually very proud of it that I, I told myself I can't do this alone. Um, so, so that would be my advice. Just seek the help you need. If you feel like you can't do it alone, seek that help and don't be ashamed of it because there is nothing to be ashamed about. Thank you for that. And I, I really admire your passion on that. Um, I think it's so important for people not to feel yeah. ashamed of asking for help. So Absol- absolutely. It doesn't make you weaker on the contrary. Being able to admit where your weaknesses lie and where you need help with makes you shows exactly how strong you are, because only a strong person can recognize and admit to their weaknesses. Yeah, I hear some of your Gryffindor in that. Yeah, that's a. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, I I just I just really find that important because there's so still so much of a taboo on things like this and on 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 going to a therapist or a psychologist or whatever it is or just somebody to speak to about your issues um it's still such a taboo and there's absolutely it's ridiculous there's no need for it for it to be a taboo it's 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 perfectly okay if you need somebody to talk to and to you know to help you with this with these kinds of things that's perfectly fine so don't be ashamed about that Mm -hmm. Would you, how would you say your therapist has impacted your mental health? Massively, but you know, she, she's, she specializes in high sensitivity because she's high sensitive herself. Mm-hmm. So, um, she knows exactly what I, what, what I was going through and she just helped me put it in perspective and, you know, she uncovered the, the real Sasha from that high sensitivity mess that I was. So um, I actually rediscovered myself during those sessions, um, as well as that she just gave me some coping mechanisms, some things I can do to when things are too much. Um, For example, if I'm at a family party, you can't just run away from there. So she gave me coping mechanisms to deal with how I'm feeling at that moment without having to run out of the room, things like that. Mm -hmm. So she's really helped me massively. And she just made me realize that it's high sensitivity is a gift and that I should be happy that I get to experience this, experience all these things more deeply, because it also means that I see the world, literally, I literally see the world world brighter. I see the colors. They are more colorful to me. Sounds 
are are louder, but that also means that in a song I can I can hear all the all the details and all these tiny things that are there. Um, I can see, uh, you know, a, a raindrop hanging from a tree. It, it shines to me like a diamond. Things like that. That makes that makes it so beautiful. So, in that sense, I should I am really happy to be high sensitive, and that's what she made me see. She made me see that there's a lot of good from from it as well, rather than than it all being bad. Yes, there are bad days, and yes, sometimes it's lousy, but mostly it's an amazing thing, and that's what she made me see. Well, that's really beautiful, and you're tearing up a little bit because I, <laughs> I just, I that's so 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 wonderful, and I think it's a lesson that. Um, applies to a lot of different things, particularly with mental health, um, mm-hmm. are, you know, things that people might see as weaknesses are really some of our greatest strengths. Yeah, it is. It definitely is. Um, and also you just, you don't always have to look for something major, you know, happiness can, can be in the tiniest of things like i said that raindrop that shines to me like a diamond that can make me so happy just seeing that because it's so beautiful and that can give me energy to 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 go on for for a week so like it's the 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 small things that really can make a difference absolutely um we are coming to the end of our time here and i just want to know if there's any final word of wisdom advice or anything else that you'd like to leave us with um i don't know i i the first thing that comes to mind is just stressing again that admitting to your weaknesses is not a weakness in itself it's a strength so don't be ashamed and just seek out the help you need that's the most important thing you need to take care of yourself first before you can take care of others that's wonderful. Well, Sasha, thank you so, so much for joining me. Um, and I, there was just a wealth of lessons in our conversation. And I hope that, um, I hope that everyone has something to get out of it, whether they are highly sensitive or think they might be, um, or they're, they're just another person who loves Harry Potter and found, yeah, exactly. found themselves. So, um, Thank you for being here. You're very welcome. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. That was my conversation with Sasha. Sasha, thank you again for sharing with all of us. Here at Beyond the Veil, we want everybody to have a chance to share their stories especially people who don't want to share their names or their voices. I want to remind everyone that we do have a trigger warning for this week's Whisper segment. We do talk about emotional and verbal abuse, so if you'd like to skip ahead, you can do so right now. In today's Whisper segment, we are sharing the story of someone who found comfort and validation after reading about Harry's struggle with the Dursleys. When I first read Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban as an eight-year-old, one of the things that stood out the most to me was Harry's struggle to get his Hogsmeade permission slip signed. 
While I did not fully understand what I had been going through at the time, I now recognize that I was emotionally and verbally abused as a child. Simple things like asking for help on my homework, talking to my parent about my day, and telling jokes were difficult and anxiety-producing for me. My parent was not always abusive to me, but even the nice things they did for me were often later used against me. When I read that scene of Harry asking Vernon Dursley to sign his permission slip, I felt so validated. The cold tone Vernon had toward Harry was something I was familiar with, even if at eight years old, I did not completely know why. I understood the if-then conditions that Uncle Vernon set, because similar to Mr. Dursley, my parent was almost never unconditionally nice. Furthermore, like Harry, I was not raised by my biological parents. In media, adoptive caregivers are frequently portrayed as altruistic. While that is accurate in a lot of situations, for me and Harry, that depiction is not entirely true. Even though at the age I read the scene, I could not comprehend how emotionally harmful my home situation was, some part of me still knew enough to find comfort with Harry's struggle. This has been episode five of Beyond the Veil. A huge thank you to our guests and everyone who has submitted a whisper for the show. If you have a Potter story that you want to share, please visit our website to find out how you could be a guest on the show or how to submit your anonymous whisper. No matter what story you want to share, we want to hear from you. If you've enjoyed the podcast so far, it would mean so much if you would share the show with others you think might enjoy it. Another way to support us is to subscribe to us on iTunes or leave a rating. This helps other people discover the show. Join me next time for another conversation in the headmaster's office. This has been Madison, and I'll see you next time. Bye.